Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. All right, good morning, boys and girls. This is Steve with The Rogue Scholar. I, um, you know, kind of been talking a lot lately about what I see as this futility of there is no alternative uh, to just this electoralism that we're facing, this this concept, this belief that all we have to do is, um, you know, vote our way to prosperity and everything will miraculously change that it's somehow or another. It's just a matter of we haven't voted for the right uh, candidates or maybe we just haven't informed enough people or, or whatever. And, and, you know, really, ultimately, we have been trapped in this mass delusion, kind of an echo chamber of sorts, where we have convinced ourselves that there is no path forward without this massive focus on electoralism. But what I want to do is I want to talk about a conversation that we've had, and I'm going to keep it anonymous because the individuals involved in this uh, discussion offline um, are probably not people that would want to have their specific names associated with the conversation. But the conversation's instructive nonetheless. And what they did was they talked about the naivety of constantly writing and talking about the theoretical framework of modern monetary theory. That if people just understood that they're being lied to, that they would vote differently. That it's just a matter of simply people not knowing. And oh, well, now they know, and and well, everything's going to change. And and obviously, it doesn't really pass the sniff test. You know, we don't have an empirical case study on that because everybody doesn't know still. Okay, that that that's a true statement. The other thing is this. The motivations and the uh, the tactics, if you will, of the quote unquote opposition to these thoughts and ideas can be expressed, certainly. And people who have been trained in the old ways, not being willing to give up the new ways, certainly we've seen that in a million different uh, ways. For example, gay marriage, you know, thoughts on marijuana, different racial discussions. You can tell generationally people have different beliefs, uh, you know founded in whatever they've been taught by mom and pa and so forth, whatever's been handed down to them. This concept, though, of just believing that we can vote our way to it, that we can educate people to just voting in the right candidates. And suddenly, once we get the right candidates, everything will take care of itself. It's just a matter of we just don't have enough votes in there, and otherwise we'd be good to go, right? Right? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm going to do a root cause analysis. Because I don't think we understand the powers that we're fighting against. This isn't just simply like we, the the little people, are just simply so snowed that we just vote nonstop for ridiculous stuff. I'm sure there's some of that, okay? I'm sure there's enough of that to create a uh, definitely a dissonance between what would be an individual's best interest and what actually is translated to both the ballot box and policy, right? But every time you talk to a politician, they're stammering about the economics. They, they don't really know what to say. They, it, imagine if the way that they talk is the way that policy actually worked. It doesn't work that way, right? The, the, the spending doesn't work as they advertise. None of the things happen the way they say. And yet it persists, and it persists in such a way that the rank and file believe it too, and the rank and file share that with each other, and that's kind of the de facto belief system of not only the country but around the world, okay? But there is an entirely different set of factors that come in, and that's the motivations for the pushback. You know, the academia, and, you know, th those folks have been many of these PhDs have been doing this stuff 
e you know, economics and writing, you name it, for a generation, more, some of them 50 years, 50 years worth of writings that they put out there that have said all these incorrect things. So they've got an entire body of work to defend. But politicians as a whole, you have to ask yourself how someone like a Joe Biden gets elected, how someone like a Joe Biden gets the Democratic nomination when there's no energy behind him, how these things even come to be. And then how, when we go to roll out policies and things like that, how we come to find that these policies are called MMT, but they're not really MMT at all. They were deficit spending. Well, deficit spending isn't the same thing as MMT-informed policy. I mean, it's a step in the right direction for sure. So what is it exactly about this, right? Well, from day one, I have been advancing the idea that if we the people understood how the monetary system worked, that we could fight and advance bold policy, that we could advance that thought amongst each other. But over the years, you start realizing that, wow, there's like a solid brick wall. The individuals pushing back that claim they want these policies have no meaningful answer of how to pay for a Green New Deal, have no meaningful answer of how to pay for Medicare for All, have no meaningful answer of how to eradicate student debt. They have no meaningful answer for any of those things. And yet those things that I just stated cost many, 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 many trillions of dollars to do. Many, many trillions of dollars. So many trillions, you couldn't tax your way there. There's no way you could actually tax your way to these policies. So clearly something isn't lining up. Clearly something isn't lining up. But in my belief system, I always believe that when the people understand how the monetary system works, when people understand that they could have nice things without a single bullet fired, they could have nice things without having any kind of violence whatsoever, they could have nice things without some bloody revolution, they could. The, the policy space is there. It is simple to do these things if you have a functioning government, if you have a functioning democracy, if you have people that understand this stuff. But ultimately, we're not really making that kind of progress. We're not seeing that kind of thing. And again, I've said this too many times. You cannot negotiate with physics. Physics is kind of like a hard and fast deal. And with climate change coming fast and hard to the point where it's climate disaster, climate catastrophe, climate crisis, whatever you want to call it, we don't have time to nickel and dime and peck around the edges to try and figure out what to do. So I've been advocating long and hard that we need a dual approach. We can't just focus on electoralism, that we've got to focus on outside the duopoly, that we've really got to focus on something not so much as a third party, but something that is not really electorally uh, centered, something that is about us making demands, teaching one another, building coalitions, building real honest-to-God groups that are in uni uh, unity on these subjects. We have not seen any kind of real progress in that category either. There's always something there. And you get into class interests. You start understanding capital. And you start understanding what is capital's goal? Why would capital be interested in doing the things you're saying? Why would capital be interested in shrinking itself? Why would capital be interested in giving labor more power? Why would capital be interested in doing all these things that progressives say they want to do? And the fact is that capital doesn't want to do those things. And capital's not going to do those things without someone making them do that. And because our political process is largely captured by corporate interests, by the oligarchies. You can see the space station even talks of it becoming privatized. Folks, the space station becoming privatized? That's insane, right? When you know that money comes from the state, the idea that we would privatize space, that we would privatize the space station is ludicrous. 
And I can't imagine anyone that would agree that that would be the right way to go. I can't imagine anyone thinking that that would be a good thing from the left, especially. And yet here we go. So this one, this one writer, person that's written many, many, many articles on modern monetary theory for, you know, publications, written books, etc. says, I appreciate you contacting me. I would love to write more MMT essays, but I'm having difficulty staying in the mental space for it. Have started many times, but have not been able to go forward. My perspective has changed so dramatically over the last year and the realization of my level of naivety, real motivations pushing against MMT is kind of overwhelming. Think about that. What I want to write, what I start keep keep starting to write is a model legislation, RE affordable housing, et cetera. But ultimately, and this is where I'm going to deviate from the writing, he's like, I don't know what to do. Maybe I have to take a more pragmatic approach. Maybe there's an echo chamber out there that's not letting us get past this. And, you know, I'm going to scroll through some of the stuff. And mind you, I'm not sharing this with you directly. I'm reading it. Um, but it's like, you know, what happens when people are not aware of their own class interests? And, and what happens when people think that they can just vote their way through? We just get one more progressive candidate that'll make all the difference in the world. This person says, guilty as charged. I stand accused, tried, and convicted. It was this realization that it was naive to believe that we could just vote these people in to do this. It was that realization partly, mostly actually, that demotivated me. I realized I had to go back and understand everything anew. And what I began to see made that task seem almost insurmountable. When you understand the power that we are up against and understand that that very power controls the electoral process and that very power controls the media and that very power controls the university systems in this country, you have to take a different tack to challenging that power. Bum rushing down to your local precinct to vote is certainly something to continue doing just simply because we got to do it. There's, we don't have enough proof otherwise. We got to do it. But yet none of those politicians actually understand. And think about how many people that don't know and understand these things would still sit there and push against the knowledge that would give us a Green New Deal. I'm not talking about the corporate powers. I'm talking about regular people power. I'm talking about Jane and Joe Sixpack that pull the lever in the voting booth. I'm talking about the, the people that work the political parties at the local level. I'm talking about the people at the state level, the local people that uh, run the parties there. I'm talking about the people at the national level and all the surrogates. I'm talking about the machine. The machine wants to protect its own power base and its own power base is based and something totally unrelated to passing these bold legislative initiatives. When you are uh, sponsored, if you will, by corporate interests, corporate interests have one goal and one goal only, and that's to maximize shareholder value. That's it. That's their single purpose. And if you've listened to some of the podcasts we've done lately on Macro and Cheese, you know from people like Eric Dean, that the modern corporation is nothing more than money manager capitalism. It is not producing goods and services. So the idea of producing goods and services doesn't mean anything to them. They manage portfolios of accounts, manage portfolios of investments. They don't sit there and manage the productive capacity, the day-to-day -day production of goods and services. That's not what they do. So in whose interests is it? to give we the people healthcare? And whose interest is it to cancel student debt? Remember, Joe Biden, without even a single act of Congress, could sign an executive order yesterday eradicating student debt. Forget pushing it out to August. Joe Biden could do it now. So why isn't he doing it? If that's the case, if you really believe that Joe Biden is this progressive guy, 
and he's just being hamstrung by Christian cinema or Christian cinema and Joe Manchin. If you really believe that's all that's going on there, then explain why Joe Biden won't take the executive order and sign it into law to, to get rid of student debt. Explain why he won't do that. I've got time. I've got nothing but time. Explain it to me. Explain why when the campaign was going on, that Joe Biden said he wasn't going to be supporting any Green New Deal. And you heard Nancy Pelosi laughing at the Green New Deal, the concept of the Green New Deal. The young bucks may want these things, but they don't know how to pay for these things. And when they get into office, they go from standing on Pelosi's desk to skipping union meetings to skipping union events where, where Amazon workers uh, win the right to have their own election. They skip that too. Something fundamentally happens to people when they go from idealistic activists running for office and when they get elected into office, if you want to call it elected into office, something fundamentally changes there. You don't have a bold voice in front right now constantly leading and organizing and galvanizing power. But yet we're getting ready to come to the next midterm elections. We're getting ready to come to the next electoral cycle. And what happens when you get distracted and you start taking all your energy away from the policies and from the change that you want and start focusing on a given candidate? And then you've got everyone telling you, oh, you've got to understand they start diminishing your expectations immediately. Why is that? Why do they go for the diminished expectations right from the start? Why do they go to protecting the politician right from the start when they start capitulating immediately? Why does that whole process happen? Why is everyone always constantly trying to explain to you how it must be pragmatic? Now, I'm asking you these questions kind of knowing full well that we've got to look at several different root causes for all the different problems. And number one, I think the first and foremost, the largest one, is that we, as a people, not individuals, but as a, as a collective, we are afraid to acknowledge that voting may not work only. Maybe, maybe we can't just rely on voting. Maybe that one thing isn't enough to make the change we need. And you see countless people get very depressed over that realization instead of soberly saying, what do I need to do to make this work? What do I need to do to make this work? And so we obviously see a, a real major problem on the electoral side where whatever candidate's willing to run we somehow or another massage all their weaknesses out of them and we build them up as, well, what do you want? Whoever the random person on the other side of the aisle is. And you're right into this quote unquote lesser evilism right off the bat. So this process doesn't lead to the outcomes you're looking for. It leads to a completely a diminishing of your expectations, a diminishing of your ask, a diminishing of your demands where you being the person that was helping elect them suddenly become the bad guy when you stay true to your, your guns, and you hold tight and hold fast to your principles and don't deviate. It's in that moment that you realize something's not right on the electoral front. The other thing is this, how do you fix the media? Five companies own all the media and that could consolidate even more at some point. But right now, five of them own it. What news do you think those five major, massive global corporations, what news do you think they want getting out? What news do you think you get to hear? How do you think you're being educated to take away their power? Do you think that they're giving you the education you need to take away their power? Is that how you view what they do? Do you really believe that that's even possible? So to me, I, I don't see it that way. I, I see it completely the opposite way. And in fact, I think ultimately the real problem is the letdown, your fear 
that because you can't just vote your way to the finish line, that it's impossible. And so you check out. So we lose people. That's one. Number two is we have a naive view of the world. We don't understand that without demands, no one's going to do anything. And that includes your elected politicians. So we've got an, a, a mismatch in level of effort required and level of effort willing. Okay. Very, very huge chasm of difference between what it will take there. But ultimately, the denial of class interests is probably the worst offender of the bunch. Not understanding the nature of capital, not understanding the nature of global capital, not understanding power dynamics, and the naive belief that we the people get to pick who the nominees are, that we the people get a real big say-so and who gets elected. That kind of naivety is coming straight out of the Santa Claus books, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, you name it. And it's just as powerful of a drug. Biden right now to this minute hasn't delivered anything that you and I have asked for or needed. Now you can clearly point to Congress and you can clearly point to the cinemas and the mansions because they are really, really, really being put up there as very, very powerful swing people. Their vote alone can change everything. Oh my God, what if Joe uh, Manchin ends up swinging and becoming a Republican? What happens to the balance of power? Oh no. But even that, even that denies the reality of understanding how capital works and understanding how global finance works and understanding that the powers that be do not want you having an equal say in the outcomes of society. They don't want you to have a say in any of this stuff. You are not important to them. They want you to depend on their charity so you deify them when you have everything already. What do you need? You want to become a god. So root cause here is a lack of understanding of class interests, a lack of understanding of global capital, a lack of understanding of how the apparatus of the establishment manhandles and literally rigs elections. Now, when you say rigs, it's not necessarily just that they're like adding votes somewhere. I'm not here to say that. I don't have any proof of that. I'm not going to speak of things I can't prove. But you can clearly see that when they can make it impossible to vote, harder to vote, they do it. You can clearly see that the, uh, the information that comes out of mass media is intentionally misleading. You can easily debunk a lot of these things if you have the patience and the time and willingness to dig in. But most don't. And as long as that's there, and again, media is owned by these oligarchs. So the ability to massively uh, educate people or give a propagandized message, good or bad, propaganda is not always bad. Propaganda is just getting your message out there, right? That's all propaganda is. But it's the lies that are told that are really the cause and effect. And it's really the motivation behind those lies. The academy, colleges do not want knowledge of MMT out there. They do not want people in this space because they have invested their entire existence in the peddling of neoclassical positions. They are funded and financed by mega corporations. Their entire bread and butter is based on raising up tuitions and get, make, giving off this fake prestige. In reality, college has been bastardized. It's become the training, education, and development center of corporate America all the way around. So what motivation do they have to empowering an electoral process that represents we the people? Slim the none. So the idea of just voting your way there denies every bit of agency we have, denies every other possible solution we have 
to supporting our means and our ends, etc. Believing the only way there is electoralism. So when you know point blank that the United States government creates currency every time it spends, doesn't have to borrow it, creates it. When you know that, that one statement alone, you know that everything that we've ever said we wanted, we can afford right there in one statement. Anything that is for sale in United States dollars in the United States is available for purchase from the federal government, period, period. It doesn't require a single dollar in tax to afford because taxes literally serve to drive the need for the currency, which is what props up and gives it its value. It is not necessarily in any way, shape, or form tied to the tax. So with all that said and done, you already know the chasm. All of this is 100% possible, no question. And if everybody lives on this rock and wants to survive climate change, why isn't it happening? And if you get to the realization that you cannot vote your way to the solution for that problem, you have to ask yourself, what can I do? What can we do differently? Because you want it all, but you can't have it. Why? It's in your face, but you can't grab it. Ultimately, it's because this shit show that we're dealing with, we're playing a bit role. We're playing a part in a play. A, a, it's almost like a sedative to our hopes and dreams. We are dumb and blind and born to follow. We are put in a position to believe that this simple act of voting is enough to put us over the finish line. But any basic root cause analysis will show you that that's not it. That ain't it. That's not the answer. And so what happens to the average person when that very simple act of voting isn't enough to get them to survival? They immediately check out. They immediately become a cynic. They immediately become so demotivated that they stop participating in the education process as well. But I'm here to tell you this. Here's another reason to teach people MMT, to explain to them modern monetary theory, knowing full well that in order for real, honest-to-God, MMT-informed policies to really take hold, you must have MMT-informed politicians. You must have an MMT-informed deep state that supports those policies and rolling them out. And we don't have time for the whole thing to be flipped on its head to do that. So that means that we have to teach as individuals, as activists, as alternative media. We need to teach as many people as possible so that they become so aware of the chasm between what they want, what they demand, what they need, and what is being given to them. And that it is possible. That's the thing. If you don't believe it's possible, if that possibility doesn't even exist, then what are you going to do? What happens then? You know what I mean? It, once you realize that it's possible, now what? What are you going to do? I think that one of the most major things is that if we don't teach more people, we won't have a revolutionary uh, group of people that are willing to make demands, that are willing to take to the streets. They're going to be busy talking about the fall of the empire. They're going to be busy talking about all these other doom and gloom things. And they're very real because in the absence of change, those things will happen. See, so many things that you just think are so ain't so. So many of the things that you believe are inevitable are only inevitable if you do nothing about them. When you have a group of people that understands the reason why their mom, when they're laying there, in the hospital bed with their mother and their mother's dying, why that's happening, you know full well that you can explain to them. Now, do they want to hear that while they're in the hospital? Probably not. But the fact is that there's no healthcare issue that we could not solve, short of maybe immortality. 
that we could not solve if we had enough of the real resources and the money and the power and the willingness to spend to solve those problems at the federal level. But in the absence of this, you get nothing and you like it. You get nothing and you like it. And that is a terrifying feeling. When you don't understand and you see that there's no hope, that is a very destabilizing realization. So teaching people that there is hope while simultaneously showing them that they can't get there simply by voting is going to be a real challenge because everybody that you talk to wants to convince you you're just being negative about elections. Show me one place, for real, where elections have done the world justice, where somehow or another this major change happened as a result of voting. Bill Clinton got rid of Glass-Steagall. Bill Clinton was the one with the balanced budget. Bill Clinton was the one that threw welfare moms off of welfare and put a five-year cap on welfare. Joe Biden was the one that made it illegal to discharge student debt, or not illegal, but impossible. Joe Biden was the one that reformed bankruptcy productions. Obama was the one that said that Wall Street didn't do anything illegal. It may have been immoral, but it was not illegal as they sat there and committed ridiculous amounts of elite control fraud. So you've got this massive amount of fraud going on, massive amount of oligarch power going on. And you think that they don't have any power at all in the electoral process? You don't think they have any power of taking someone from Wall Street and placing them in power inside of our federal government, like a Hank Paulson or a Robert Rubin? You don't think that happens. Or an Eric Holder or any of these other people jumping out and going into Wall Street. You don't think that happens? You're ridiculous. This revolving door is there. Why is that? Because they are one. They're in, they're in the same little club. And they serve the same power elite interests. And without a class-based understanding, without understanding what our interests are, as the people that have to rely on this system, the system that is geared to work for everyone but us, it's important that we wake everyone up to the fact that the real thing with taxes, if, if you're held to taxes for paying for things, you're fucked because nothing will change. There's nowhere near enough taxes that you could ever raise to be able to pay for all the things we need to survive cataclysmic climate change. It just isn't. Suspending's so got to come from somewhere. And it's not just a U.S. problem. It's a global problem. You see, neoliberalism is not a U.S. thing, although we are the chief exporter of neoliberalism. It's a global phenomenon. You see it with the WTO, the World Bank, et cetera. This is not new, the IMF, all of this stuff. So how do you take on such a massive thing? By voting them out? You can't vote that out. You can't vote away capital. You can't vote away billionaires. You cannot just vote away all this stuff. You've got to believe that you could indeed have nice things. You could indeed lead the life. That life that you fantasize about, that life is real, that it could happen. You've got to believe that it could happen and that there's someone there blocking you from achieving that. There's someone and something blocking us all from achieving that. And that someone or something has control of the electoral system. That someone or something has control of the academy that doesn't have MMT scholars being published. That very blocker may not be able to be voted out. So if you can't vote out that blocker, what are you going to do? You're going to throw up your hands. You're going to lay in bed and curl up and die like the old couple in Titanic. You got to do something. We've got to do something. 
And it comes down to understanding what the root cause analysis is. We, the people, you and I, if you've been informed of MMT, being able to show someone the breadth of all the things we could do is incredibly important to radicalizing them to why what's happening is not acceptable. Because right now, the best knowledge they have is we're just short of tax dollars. Gosh, if we could just get rid of mansion and cinema, everything would be okay. They never, ever talk about, never, ever talk about the fact that Joe Biden could simply sign an executive order right now to eliminate student debt immediately. They don't realize that's how simple it is. They've got a spaghetti logic. It's twisting and turning all over the place, preventing them from being able to see the straight line to that truth. And see the straight line that they want, which is the electoral straight line. They want to be able to just cast a ballot, vote, and be done with it and go back to brunch. Or they want to grouse on social media about how unjust everything is, but they don't want to work on educating themselves so that they can each one teach one and share that knowledge with others. Because we have to radicalize people. We have to radicalize them to the understanding that we could indeed have wonderful, powerful, incredible things. That we could do massive technological advancements that would help us through the transition through this climate change. We could have done things even before now, but we didn't have this understanding. We should have, but we didn't. Now you've got people like myself and others who are screaming at you, begging you to learn this so that you can radicalize others. So that they too can start rising up and saying, no, listen, we can do these things. You're not doing these things. Why aren't you doing these things? And then the organizing outside the duopoly needs to occur. The organizing beyond parties even. Forget a third party for this point. I know it's all the rage. Everybody wants to be in the politics. Everybody wants to be in a political party. Everybody wants to be able to cheer for a candidate and abdicate their responsibility by giving it to some dude or dudette to go and run for Congress and do it for them. But the real story here is the collective body of we the people has largely been put into a sleeper hold to prevent them from believing that these things are possible. They've not only stopped believing, but they never understood to begin with. And you can see it by how many people, when you tell them a recession's coming, they sit there and say, oh, you're just a Fox News guy. You are just taking a Republican stance, trying to beat up and destabilize this administration. I'm not joking. That's the kind of leprechaun logic that comes out of folks. See, there's something called stock flow consistent modeling or sectoral balances. It's kind of a law. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of the very few accounting identities that does not have any ideological anything. It just tells you the story. It is so important because this is how they saw the last recession, the last financial crisis was looking at sectoral balances. Sectoral balances talk about private debt, public debt, and rest of world trade, uh, balance of trade and demand leakages like savings and offshoring. When you look at those three sectors, you can really understand the nature of the economy. Now, for various reasons, our country has chosen to put the emphasis on exporting labor to low-cost countries to expand our supply chain across the globe. And we saw that that breaks down. That can break down very quickly. Okay? But that model has taken away jobs from this country, which is not necessarily the worst thing ever. There are different kinds of work that could be done, service work, etc. But we gave up too much. We gave up so much of the manufacturing that we didn't have key things that we needed in this country. And so it looks on paper like we're beholden the corporations. It looks on paper 
like rents are just going to go out of control and there's nothing we can do. And we're told in the paper that it's because the government printed money. And by printing money, which by the code is basically saying they printed money to help little people out. And that's why everything's wrong. The minute the government tries to do anything for the little people, everything goes wrong because that's not the way it should be done. Now you got ideology, but that ideology is kept there intentionally to keep you and I stupid, deaf, dumb, blind, and stupid, okay? Unwilling to fight back because we just believe that's the way it's gotta be. We can't imagine an alternative. So we must radicalize those. We must educate them daily, round the clock, about modern monetary theory. Now, on the off chance that somehow or another, the powers that be say, hey, the cost of holding back the proletariat from having a free and fair election is greater than just allowing them to have a say-so. On that weird off-brand chance that they decide to share power with we the people without a bloody revolution, et cetera. And I don't believe it's going to happen, but, but let's just say it does. Great. Happy to see that happen. But you're giving away your agency, believing that without rights baked in, without power, without real honest to God power, built up an army of, of progressives, an army of leftists, an army of the 99% not willing to allow the lies to go uncountered. Unless you're willing to unite and organize to really, really hold them accountable, there is no countervailing force to force them to listen. None. And this is why all the weeping and gnashing at the, oh, my, if we could just vote harder, if we could just phone bank more, if we could just donate more, we could change the world. It really, really starts making you understand why that individual that I talked about that I spoke about earlier, has said flat out, not interested in writing anymore, not interested in theoretical discussions anymore about MMT, because he recognizes that the powers that be are not an economic discussion. It is not an econ. The powers that be are not ignorant of how money creation works, folks. The Bank of England is not ignorant of how money works. The Bank of England knows that banks don't lend out deposits, that you don't put your money in and they lend it out. They know this. They absolutely know it. It's only you and I that don't know it, right? And so they limit us by lies, by this fake narrative, the scarcity narrative that keeps us in chains. We've got to break the chains. We've got to unshackle our minds. We've got to get off the teat, the electoral teat. And we've got to start creating things that last, organizing around things that last beyond just each election. It must be done. Every time I have to talk about the news, either on status quo, here, amongst friends, it's tough. My eyes roll back in my head just a little bit. Because I know I'm about to have to talk about things as if they're real. I know I'm going to have to talk about a lot of these uh, things that you've been conditioned to believe. And I'm reading, and I don't believe them. I don't believe that we can just wake up on uh, whatever Tuesday in November it is cast our ballot, go back to work and be at brunch by 10. I don't believe that's going to get us a Green New Deal. Do you? Do you really believe that if you phone bank enough for rando congressperson A, that you will get a Green New Deal? Do you really believe that's all it's going to take? I want you to think about why they talk about having a general strike. I want you to think about why they talk about having unions. I want you to think about why they talk about doing these sorts of things. If all you had to do was hit the vote button, if that was all you had to do, we would be good to go, right? It'd be super simple, right? Super simple. 
but it's not. It's absolutely not. And so while I read, I read this letter from this individual, this author, who I have tremendous respect for, by the way. His admission of person A says, it's interesting that you refer to your naivety with regard to the forces pushing against MMT. When I first learned about MMT, I was surprised that proponents seemed to believe mere ignorance was standing in the way of progressive change, as if it was simply a matter of opening some eyes and class interests would just fall away. And again, his response, I stand accused, tried, and convicted. It was this realization that partly most actually demotivated me. I realized I had to go back and understand everything anew. And what I began to see made the task seem insurmountable. Now, I'm not pessimistic in the sense of I don't believe we can do something. I absolutely believe we can. Hell, I'm fucking revved up, pissed off, and ready to go. I wake up every day ready to tell you about MMT. I wake up every day hoping to do something that will help move the needle forward. I open my eyes every day with the realization that it may take a revolution. I open my eyes every day recognizing that we probably get our asses kicked in some sort of an armed revolution. So it better be a mental revolution. It may be some other kind of social revolution. It may be a revolution of us building parallel systems that allow us to exert enough force to make this corrupt system work for us. I don't know. I don't know. But I wake up believing that these things are possible. But I don't believe, the one thing I will tell you I don't believe anymore, and I haven't in a while, but I'm saying it, it's like I'm coming out of the closet, so to speak. I don't believe we can vote our way to a Green New Deal. I don't believe we can get on the uh, excitement train and just get that next, that next progressive candidate to change everything. Maybe she'll stand on Pelosi's desk with the, you know, Extinction Rebellion or the, uh, you know, Sunset Sundowners Association of Florida or the Sunshine Group of whatever, Sunshine Movement, you know, whatever. Maybe they can. I don't know. Doesn't matter. What matters is that you're not going to get with one or two people. Perfect example. We had an ABC Act. Yeah, we're sitting there going to make cards for people during the pandemic to be able to help them get the unbanked in particular, get payments charged right to their card through the treasury. So they didn't have to sit there and run up debt using the Fed, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, right? We had the mint the coin thing, all this buzz, no action. People were listening. There was a few people who were listening. But overall, a lot of them just poo-pooed it to death. It's not because these are not fantastic policies. It's not because they're not really kick-ass and well thought out. It's because the powers that be that we're up against have their own class interest that doesn't want us out of precarity. Because when you and I are struggling, when you and I are precarious, we are perfectly ripe. We are ripe to be manipulated and to forced into things that we can't or won't or shouldn't want to ever do. And that is where I stand right here. I am of the mindset that if you don't wake up to this, if you continue to, nah, he's wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I, I tell you what, enough of that type of person, enough of the asshole that goes around calling people grifters that don't just vote blue no matter who or whatever, those kind of split finger waste people, those neo-maxi zundweebies that are naive as the day is long, those individuals, they're not your friend, folks. But they do need to be radicalized too. But you need to find out what their motivation is. Are they on the take? Are they getting paid by the party? What's their angle? to say, don't organize beyond the duopoly? What is their angle for trying to make you get rid of your own agency to be able to force change? What is their angle for pushing against you for that? What is their motivation? Because honest to God, if you can tell me that you got what you needed from Obama, I'm telling you you're full of shit. 
if you can tell me you got what you needed from Bill Clinton, you're lying. You're full of shit. And if you can tell me you got what you needed from Joe Biden, then we're, you may be the enemy. You may be the enemy. You may be one of the people selling the lies. So I'm here to tell you that you must take a step back and you must recognize that we cannot vote our way there, but we must understand what is possible. What is possible can be understood most eloquently, most accurately through the lens of modern monetary theory. But it in and of itself <coughs> requires politicians to work the levers of power to give us what we want. And if you think you've got those people in office right now, you're wrong. The idea of them serving our needs is ludicrous. The idea of the average activist understanding this stuff, it ain't happening. You got entire huge cliques of cool kids out in California that don't want nothing to do with MMT, won't listen to MMT, won't hear anything you have to say about MMT. You got people all around the country that aren't quite as cool as the Cali folks that won't listen to a thing about MMT. They think they've heard enough about Bitcoin and that's all they need to know. They don't understand. And so they end up becoming libertarians, which is a dog-eat-dog, individualist state of mind as they check out and they stop fighting for collective solutions. We need a class-based understanding to be able to address this problem. We must organize beyond the duopoly. We must get out of the electoral space. That's the fact. I, I kid you not, folks. I kid you not. And I, I feel like every time I see this stuff, I've got some asshole just waiting to tell me I'm wrong. Just sitting in the seats waiting to tell me I'm wrong. But look at the root cause. Ask yourself, what am I saying? And if what I'm saying has merit, let's talk. Let's find a way to build that organization. Let's find a way to build that kind of activism. Let's find a way to build that kind of education apparatus that isn't slow playing you into death by telling you, just vote. It'll all be better. Seriously, take two and call me in the morning. We got to do better than that. I'm Steve Grumbine with the Rogue Scholar telling you, even though you want it all and you can't have it, it's not because we can't have it. We just have to teach each other and organize outside the system and become so strong and so powerful in numbers that they can't deny us. I'm out of here. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives. Progressives.